Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to Questions Out Podcast, episode 118. And I am, I'm, first of all, I'm Nick Mercer of www.questionstalk.com. Um, I'm with Michelle Palmer now, Dr. Dr. Michelle Palmer to you and to me. Um, and uh, But first, I'll like, just remind everybody to please rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, and to follow me on social media at Concussion Talk. And that's Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, and my website, which is Concussion Talk, ConcussionTalk.com. Um, Patreon, patreon.com slash concussion talk. And I'm on ACAST now, ACAST podcast. And um, I guess, again, I'm probably missing something again, but I'm just probably getting on the podcast. Um, so, so thank you for listening. And uh, here's where my, my, my sponsor, Head Check Health. Concussion Talk podcast is presented by Head Check Health. Head Check Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on Head Check Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headshakehealth.com for more. Okay, Michelle, uh, oh, Dr. I'm sorry, I should ask you before we started. Do you like to be called Dr. Michelle Pond or like hi, Michelle? Because I kind of know you, but. Yeah, I'm really comfortable with Michelle. Michelle, okay, well, Michelle, Dr. Michelle Plowman, uh is the Canada Research Chair in Rehabilitation and Neuroplasticity and Blame and Canada Research Chair in Rehabilitation, Neuroplasticity and Brain Recovery. And she's the Associate Professor of Medicine. Medicine. Of medicine. Yeah, okay. at Memorial University. But I'll actually get her to be her to better describe herself than I'm doing. And uh, we're going to talk about her, her new, we're then going to talk about her new recovery and performance laboratory in St. John's. But uh, thank Michelle, thank you so much for, for being on this podcast. And I can make it if it's been this long since I've, since I've known you and had you on the podcast. This is a, a long time. Like, but uh, can you just place this? 
just being just yourself because I pride and just good great job. <laughs> Well, thanks for inviting me today. Really glad to talk to you. Um, yeah, so we opened up the Recovery and Performance Lab in 2015 and gradually acquired cutting edge uh, functional neuroimaging equipment. Um, we're, I think we're the most easterly, our lab is the most easterly neuroscience lab, I think in, in North America, being in, in St. John's, Newfoundland. It's gotta be. And so, yeah, so I always brag that yeah. uh, you can't get any further it's east the number, than our the number lab. one, the number one Eastern Research Lab in North America. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so we're really interested in looking at how the brain modifies itself after injury, and the two diseases we focus on, and we were interested in lots of different kinds of um, disorders of the brain, but we focus on multiple sclerosis, which is a an autoimmune disorder that affects uh, the brain and, and the spinal cord. And also we're interested in stroke recovery. And those are our two, I would say, models that we work on um, and try to understand the optimal ways to get the brain to repair and reorganize so that people get maximum recovery. Um, my special interest is really in aerobic exercise. I have two sort of areas, one aerobic exercise and how aerobic exercise can foster plasticity. And the second area I'm really interested in is called neuromodulation. So using a device or a technique to stimulate the brain from the outside. So non-invasive ways right. to prime the brain, let's say. Perfect. Okay. So as you knew used to research at more at more university and now you're at the Miller Center, which is the rehabilitation hospital in St. John's where I spent a lot of time and uh, I know it well. And uh, yeah, so your uh, what is what was your research in Memorial University and your teaching? And then then also you just with along with that, just define what our stroke and MS like just Right. Not totally general sense, but scientific kind of issue. Sure. So, you know, before I entered the academic world and research world, I spent 15 years as a neurological physiotherapist. And that's my love really is yeah. uh, hands-on clinical physiotherapy. And in that job, I worked mainly at the Miller Center, but lots of other different hospitals within Newfoundland focusing on ways that physiotherapy can really drive plasticity, reorganization and recovery. And that was in people with spinal cord injury, people who had traumatic brain injury, stroke, MS, you know, really interested in, in anything that was a disorder of the central nervous system. And it was in the time around, I would say the mid 1990s, I became really interested in neuroplasticity and the concepts of neuroplasticity. What's really happening inside the brain? When yeah, you're remember, actually, Jen shares my physical therapist who always spoke with you and how great you were yeah. before I knew you. And uh, she brought, they did neuroplasticity to me in 03. And that's before it really became even a bigger thing. And you were talking about mid 90s so sorry yeah that's right that's right and so i was reading i mean there wasn't really much in humans right you had to go back to the animal research to try to understand what is happening so i started reading some work by a guy named randy nudo so if you ever get a chance to to read his work and what he did 
was he used a maquette monkey model where he created an injury to the animal's brain and then he tried different intensities of rehabilitation for the upper limb. So he had he, he had constrained the animal so that they couldn't use their good arm. He created these wells that the animals would reach into. And the cool thing he was able to do was actually map the motor cortex and show you exactly how the brain was being modified. And what he found was that there were combinations. So by combining interventions, say both the constraint and the high degree, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reach, reaching practices, that was the way we saw uh, repair, reorganization, and recovery. Those are the three R's for us. Yeah. And yeah, so it was from there I started to say, okay, so how do I apply this to someone with stroke? And clearly putting things together, combining therapies makes sense. It seems like the brain wants this kind of higher intensity yeah. intervention. So that's where I, I started with animal models and I got involved in pairing aerobic exercise to cognitive training, pairing aerobic exercise with reach training in an animal model. Of course, in rats, you can take the brain out. We can slice the brain at 40 microns. You can stain for neurons and branching. And that's what you're able to do is really determine what is the optimal dosage, why recovery happens. So yeah, we talked a lot and I studied neurotrophins. One of the neurotrophins I studied was called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF. And right. we showed that that was actually pretty critical and that when you increase BDNF inside the brain, that seems to be the, the stimulus or the fertilizer for the brain to help it um, have, help axonal branching and synaptic plasticity. So that's where I started and I'm sort of back now doing human research again and yeah. very practical trying to answer questions important for clinicians. Wow. So, so yeah. So how does that apply to your used to do stroke research and MS? So can you just define stroke and MS to not just define and talk about them describe, describe mm -hmm. them there. Mm -hmm. the There's sort of two, although they're both, in, create injuries to the central nervous system. They both have different ways that that happens. So in stroke, you have a sudden onset, a vascular disruption of a major vessel within the brain. And that can be through an ischemic event, like a blockage or a bleed. In either case, you get this immediate damage of tissues. And we know how important oxygen and blood supply is to these neurons. So there's some neurons that will die right away and they can't be restored. Um, but now we have new treatments that can quickly, um, basically unplug the blockages, but you still will have some damage. And so what has to happen is areas that are not damaged have to learn over time to take over for that damaged area. So I'm really interested in, in that because I think it's an excellent way to look at brain plasticity. The challenge with working in stroke is that it tends to be older people. So you yeah. tend to be over 60 years of age. The brain has a little bit less capacity to be flexible. So it's interesting to try to drive plasticity in this group. In MS, it's completely different. We're talking about now younger people. So it's diagnosed between the age of 16 and 40. And I became really interested in MS because many of my classmates in physiotherapy school, a couple developed MS. 
some of my work colleagues had MS. Mm -hmm. They tended to be just like me in my 20s at that time. And I, I sort of thought, I really need to do more. There doesn't seem to be much out there to help people with MS help repair their brain. So MS is an autoimmune disorder for reasons we don't understand your maybe genetic makeup, um, low levels of vitamin D. So where you live seems to be important. And then there seems to be a viral trigger and your body starts attacking the myelin inside your central nervous system. And this causes these little tiny lesions, little spots all over the brain. And, 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 and the myelin is the protective coating of the of the nerves, right? So it is so essential for the health of the, the nerve. And if you demyelinate a nerve, it will die. And if it's damaged myelin, it can't conduct as quickly. So you can't think, you can't process, you have fatigue. So um, the two are entirely different. Stroke is in older people. MS tends to be in younger people. Stroke is, tends to be larger, more um, discrete lesions. Whereas MS, there tends to be little lesions all throughout the brain. So, but MS is cool because there are new drugs now, new biologics yeah. that help stabilize the disease. So I think there's a lot more opportunities for repair now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just want to ask you about the, uh, you said the cardiovascular, uh, I guess, I don't know if you found anything before net or if you can even say what you found, but... Uh, and uh, but uh, how does the cardiovascular aspect of it, or the is that the same as like the same? Well, I guess no, I guess not. So that this cardiovascular aspect of of your of your research, what's that? What's that about? Mm -hmm. So I think people have an idea that your brain is is completely separate from your arteries, your veins, your heart. In fact, your heart and your brain are connected by huge vessels. And so I always say there's a, an interaction or there's a heart brain mind connection. Yeah. And when you exercise, uh, many things happen. So uh, I'll speak about aerobic exercise, but you could also apply this to resistance exercise. When your muscles contract, uh, they release myokines. BDNF is actually one of them. There's others. These are pro-growth beneficial brain proteins. So, so is that like your, is that why you say a good kind of ask like your diaphragm or your lungs, like the DNF well, from that, the muscles from that? Muscles well, when we that. say, yeah, those are really good points. When I say cardiorespiratory fitness, what I mean is the heart's heart. ability to supply blood and necessary oxygen to skeletal muscle. Yeah. So the, and, and so that's an idea. Well, it not just supplying to skeletal muscle, but to every organ in your body, including your brain. Right. Mm. So when you exercise, you get this increased blood supply to the brain, you get these upregulation of these beneficial neurotrophins, which help heal the brain. You also change, and we're interested in levels of excitability. So as you know, there's a balance of neurotransmitters, there's excitation and inhibition, it's normal. And this balance of excitability seems to be really important for relearning and for alertness and for all the functions we think about that 
that the brain is responsible for. So what exercise does is, is what we've shown is that when you're fitter, you have greater levels of excitability and less inhibition. So it shifts the balance to a pro learning state. So the brain is more flexible and more ready to learn. Okay, and so and so it just accepts it just changes to new pathways. That's how that's how neuroplasticity works. Sort of, yeah. It's yeah. it's um it's the balance of neurotransmitters, really. So you you really want a balance toward if you have too much inhibition in the brain, so GABA is one of the inhibitory yeah. transmitters. If you have too much of that, then you're you have less capacity in general for neuroplasticity. So right excitatory activity is good of course excess excitatory activity could be yeah. related to seizure or something like that but um so, so how, how does this sorry. yeah sorry. how does fatigue go into this this whole like cardiovascular excitability and like when does does what effect does say just being not fatigued from brain injury but fatigued from yeah. running for too long or you know for just running out too long yeah, we're actually, we're really interested in fatigue because people with MS and also I know people with concussion, people yeah. who have stroke, people who have other autoimmune disorders experience a tremendous amount of fatigue. Yeah. And we're trying to disentangle what it is exactly. Like, what is it exactly? Is this motor fatigue? Is this from your body? Is this cognitive fatigue or thinking fatigue? And yeah, it's complex. It's more complex than you think. Yes. And we're and also studying state fatigue, like your feeling of fatigue every day versus your fatigability. Like maybe when you, you might have not much fatigue when you start in the day, but as you engage in something that's really mentally challenging or yeah. physically challenging, you fatigue more yes. than you used to. And then that's, fatigability. So yeah, we're doing, we have techniques that we can scan the brain as you are doing mentally challenging tasks. So we use a technique called functional near infrared spectroscopy or mm. FNIRS. Yeah, big word. But what it does is essentially uses lights. You wear a cap on your head, it looks like an EEG cap. Okay. It's a black cap with little uh, optodes and these optodes shine light on the surface of the brain. And we can look at the scatter of light and understand how much oxygen is in that area of the brain. Okay. So we've been finding that people who experience mental fatigue, uh, people with MS who experience mental fatigue, don't seem to be recruiting the same areas of their brain as healthy control subjects who don't have fatigue. So there's something about Maybe your brain is not efficient and it's uh, not recruiting the areas it should be. And so then you experience this mental fatigue, but we'd love to know more about it. I think that aerobic exercise could potentially be a treatment for mental fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I, I know I mean, my, my brain, gym, my severe brain injury was severe brain injury was you know, three, but I've noticed that now it's all my swimming is just, I, I, and I it's helped, definitely helped with my swimming ability and my swimming endurance. And um, I found that, but I still find that I'm way, obviously way below where I was, but that's, that's 19 years now. And, uh, 
Let's see. Uh, also, I'm, I'm, I'm play ch- I play chess now. And all okay. uh, well, not now. I played a bit. I knew how to play it when I was like 10 or whatever, but stopped playing for a long time. But I started Do you find it. that, like, if for you, you have such a commitment to your fitness? Yeah. And yeah. do you think there's a link in your training? Say, when you're training hard and yeah. you're, say, in the pond and you're swimming in the summertime, yeah. does that have an impact on? mental or physical fatigue from your perspective? I'll, I would, from my perspective, I would say definitely yes, but I can't give you concrete examples of why it is, but I just know that I do, I feel, I mean, I feel better when I go for a thug in the summer. If, I'm, if I can't get the, the lake in the morning, then I'll, you know, snow deck, you know, or like even, it's a nice day out now, but like, even like, not this time of year, like May when it's nice out and I go, I go for a swim, I'm I'm exhausted after I finish swimming, but then I'm recover seem to recover pretty quickly. And then um, I walk home, I walk back from the from the pool, and it's just a great walk. It's just, I feel I don't know if that's being as high, but it's also the activity of just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cooling down kind of. Yeah. I find that good. And I also find that when I get back, and I am tired when I get home, but I'm also and if I play chess then I find or play some do something, read or something. I'm more aware, more not necessarily better at my stuff, but I'm more, I'm just more cognizant of everything that's going on, but more aware of everything. And uh, it's just, just, I mean, it depends on what I eat that day, but I mean, still, but yeah, but it's, I I do find that, yeah, physical activity and light mental activity, well, not light in the same light, but blue mental activity, it doesn't, I mean, it does make me feel, better is about in turtle which i it's kind of my natural state but but also just better just just more just more days and yeah so i think Mm -hmm. that's definitely i think there's something to it i mean it's more than just endorphins i mean obviously you're releasing these feel-good hormones endorphins which help you feel better but there's work by Dr. Lara Boyd at UBC and uh, Dr. Mark Roig at McGill. And they both showed that when you have a task that you have to learn, like a really complex task, when you have a bout of aerobic exercise and before that, so Dr. Boyd uses uh, high intensity interval training. When you pair that high intensity interval training with the task you want to learn, uh, you learn it much better. And she does yeah. this in, in healthy controls and probably in stroke as well. And I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's there's summer, something to it. And definitely, because it seems even summer, they just say, you know, in summer, there's regular, regular work, regular when you're, when you're for the control, as you would say, a controlled person. So a person who's just not injured and doesn't have anything, anything, anything else, any issue that inhibit them. It seems to me that when you do in, in, insert, like say, hard work, like a high-intensity training or something like that, like you do get, I mean, like when I was playing water polo more, when I was uh, not more, when I was playing at all, just you learn more when you're exhausted, when something, when it's really hard, and then you, you know, fast it a lot quicker than if you do, if you would when you were not just regular walking, so going for a regular swim. But if you're not very a breaker, then like if you're not giving yourself any any sort of challenge. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that there's not that many treatments out there that hit so many beneficial targets as aerobic exercise. Cause you yeah. think about it in uh, myself and uh, Dr. Liam Kelly, he's an exercise physiologist. We worked together on this paper where we consolidated all the literature on aerobic exercise effects on the brain after stroke. And I mean, there was a huge number of studies, I think 150 or more. And what we did is tried to figure out, well, what is it that it does? And what we found is in animal models definitely promotes repair. So decreasing inflammation, increasing neuronal network change. Um, it increases level of, like I was saying, BDNF, IGF-1, all these neurotrophins, increases cognition, and also has metabolic benefits. So meaning mm -hmm. that reduces diabetes, um, increases, uh, you know, arterial health. So what other treatments, you can't take a pill, a pill or any other yeah. intervention that's going to be as beneficial as that across so many different areas. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Also, I just uh, told like many people as you listen to me, I started meditating and I find that been just incredible too. And just, but I mean, also I do that with as long as, well as, I just never stopped doing swimming and yoga and stuff like that. So being active, being active. So I can't say there's a, I don't have a good scientific control to, mm -hmm. for how that's changed, but I mean, I find the same thing. Maybe it's just needs to sitting and the muscles need to, to stay sitting for that long enough to concentrate or not concentrate as it as may be, but yeah. just, you know, be, be, just be aware and just that energy take, but, um, that's probably this whole new area of research. Yeah. But um, also, uh, your, the neuromodulation, so how is that different than than your aerobic exercise or your, uh, any physiology that you, you've previously studied? Right. So I'm interested in neuromodulation from, you know, if you think about what aerobic exercise does to the brain, makes the brain more amenable to change, which is yeah. what you what you want. So, a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Maybe we can think about there's some other way to stimulate the brain. So there's some devices now called uh, transcranial direct current stimulation, uh, TCDS, trans um, repetitive transcranial uh, nerve stimulation, or, or, or yeah, transcranial magnetic stimulation, RTMS. There's, we're working on a study right now where we're studying, believe it or not, translingual stimulation. So these, the other devices stimulate the brain directly with a magnetic pulse or a current, but we're using translingual stimulation, which is, it's a device made by a company called Helios. And we're testing in a randomized control trial to see whether it, when you, when you combine that with balance and gait training and people with MS, does it actually make a difference? Is that, is that um, so your, just, your, your, your tongue or, or your tongue? Speak? That's yeah. right. So you place this because you think about, you know, the cranial nerves that come out from the brain stem are really the closest nerves to the brain and they're uh, embedded inside the brain stem, which is responsible for level of alertness, integration of movement. So the trigeminal nerve, facial nerve, they're all uh, around the tongue. So the idea is stimulate the tongue to stimulate the brainstem. And there's some studies done using fMRI to say that in fact that happens, that this device stimulates the brainstem. Um, So we're investigating that in a trial. I think we need, the human brain has a limited capacity for plasticity and a critical window where after a lesion or damage, it seems like most recovery is gonna happen between like three to six months. So in order to get recovery outside of that window, continued recovery, I think you need high volumes practice or maybe help from some kind of neuromodulation. We're also getting ready to look at, I think, you know, we're going to see neuroplasticity promoting drugs. So you combine a drug that's known to facilitate activity within the brain, um, neuronal modification, you combine that with rehabilitation. So I think it's exciting. The field of neuroplasticity is just exciting. I don't think that neuromodulation on its own does that much. I think you need to combine it with okay. whatever you want to learn. Okay. Yeah. And Josh, you can mute your title. If you can't get the title for this, which I said before, but this Canada Research Chair in Realization of Assisty and Brain Recovery is kind of like those but I would basically like not know the, the chair part, but kind of like the subtitle of this podcast is like rehabilitation, brain recovery. Yeah. And and neuroplasticity, if I matter. Right. That's and right. It's not, it's, not, it's not a scientific podcast yeah. per se, but it does they do like the interview people like you who are 
right. research the stuff. But you're in a great spot to research the stuff at the Mo Center. And uh, I'm, yeah. And you know I mean, you, I was you, so lucky. Uh, you know, at the time when I started at Memorial, we had a lot of discussion of where the lab should be. And there was feelings right. that I should be in the main campus um, in the medical school. And I said, no, I need to be near the patients. I need to be yeah. near the people that I work with. And that has proven to be a great decision. Yeah. So the Canada Research Chair, just to mention, that is a program in the federal government that strategically places scientists in areas of high need and importance. Okay. So I'm really grateful to have that position and I have it until uh, 2024. Um, nice. So it's a limited yeah. position uh, up to 10 years. And so it gives me a unique focus and I can, I have not much teaching load and I can focus my energies completely on science and research. And so in speaking of research, I can't buy I don't want to say when they work on helping me you do, but um, you work on it. You have, like I said, you have lots of patients and bullying other people who are participating, who we talked about before. And uh, yeah. so, so that, that just is great. And, uh, but what's, what are you, what is your, not to say focus, because I know it's a bunch of stuff on this neurology, neuromodulation base, but is there anything? Yeah any paper or work that you're doing now or that any of the people who are involved with your research here, uh, your, your, your title, that the whole program, mm -hmm. yeah. anything, anything that that's exciting to come up. Yeah, that's, yeah. Anything. So um, first of all, I'll tell one cool place to find research in this field is Google Scholar. If you're not familiar, it's like um, Google, for academics and we use it all the time as a great way to find your topics you can put in a person's name and and they'll their work will come up and you can sort it by year makes it easy so google scholar but right now we're just finishing up the neuromistrals trial which is a trial using the device pons the translingual neurostimulation uh, we'll be finished that in august and our results will be um I don't know the results because I'm blinded to what group. There's two groups, a, a sham device and a real device. So I have no idea what the results are yeah. until everybody's unblinded. We're doing, we're just finishing off some work in mental fatigue and understanding that when you're loading up cognitive tasks, like loading and asking people to multitask, what's happening inside the brain so that we can understand how to treat it and how to develop treatments for it. We're also studying now the effect of cardiorespiratory fitness on stroke recovery and neuroplasticity. So for every, we're asking every participant, every person who's had a stroke who enters our rehabilitation center to have their brain mapped over time using our techniques. And we measure their fitness um, and we ask about their physical activity before and after the stroke. Okay. And we're trying to understand whether being fit confers any benefit to plasticity within the brain. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, you define fitness relatively just as in just more, just more better kind of as a better heart rate control, better yeah. breathing yep. control and stuff like yep. that. So we have a, yeah, we have a full metabolic suite. Um, it's called a metabolic cart. So you wear a mask and we push you to your maximum on our, uh, 
body weight support treadmill or a, a recumbent stepper. And we measure um, the degree, basically your how much oxygen you breathe in and carbon dioxide you breathe out tells us your ability to use oxygen in the air. So we know we have a valid gold standard measurement of right. your cardio respiratory fitness. That's, that's, that, that itself is very interesting. It's also very interesting that uh, my uh, good friend, Lauren Zayax, DPT, and does Phoenix Concussion, Phoenix Concussion Recovery Podcast, which she hadn't done in a while, but she's a good friend on this podcast. And mm-hmm. she, she and, and DPT, Jenna Tucker, all just released her and, other, and others a, a paper in Cambridge University Press, not at Cambridge. Yeah. And we have about a dysonomia and, and buffalo, buffalo concussion treadmill test. Okay. And, uh, and the effects of that. So that's obviously you can just follow her on, online and, yeah. and uh, I'll send you what I'm going to see her work. And, uh, and uh, since they'll be done, they'll be on this podcast in June, probably with that. So mm-hmm. that'd be great. But um, where can people, that's just, I shouldn't plug their New York podcast, but I just did. But um, where's, where can people find out more about your work and this great, this excellent uh, laboratory uh, going into the Miller, the Miller Center? Sure. Um, I'd say I'm most active on Twitter. So I'm at Mish Plowman, M-I-C-H. P-L-O-U-G-H-M-A-N at Mish Plowman. And um, we also have a website, www.drmichelleplowman. That's D-R, michelleplowman.com. And we also, if you search me in the Faculty of Medicine, you'll see we have a sheet, uh, just a, a web page there in the Faculty of Medicine. And we we try to update that as, as quickly as we can. We also have Facebook uh, Recovery and performance lab and uh, on Facebook. And and if you want to search your name, Dr. Michelle Plowman or just Michelle Plowman on Google Scholar, for example. That's exactly what you would do. In fact, yeah. some techniques on Google Scholar which help is put the word and in uppercase letters in between your words. And what that'll do is only look for that string where the two words are together. Say, for example, if you wanted to say, um, Michelle Plowman, you would get all the Michelles and all the Plowmans. But if you said Michelle and Plowman, you oh, would get just Michelle Plowman. Same way with searching for everything, like multiple sclerosis is a good example. Put and in between to make sure you only get the multiple sclerosis. Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, so, I mean, this is like this old school library searching. And where this and like, I don't want to say old school, but like for, you know, 20 years old, right? That's the type of, I know like the Google had the librarians doing their, doing their, uh, their research protocols or whatever it is. Yeah, that's right. The days of all those libraries filled and filled with papers. Just, you don't, yeah, I would say between PubMed is probably where the other one I use a lot, PubMed and Google Scholar. I, yeah, in fact, in PubMed, I set up, if you, you can set up a free um, search. So you can put in a search and if you want to be updated on science in a particular area, you can have it automatically sending it to your email updates in the field. Well, there you go. So it's just, I mean, there's so much stuff out there. And if I see Michelle, Michelle and Plowman and Michelle Plowman, 
uh, and uh, all the stuff that all the work that the recovery and, and the performance lab are doing in my hometown, our hometown. Our okay. hometown. Are you from it? Are you from Bar, Bar Russian? But yeah. I'm uh yeah I'm from a town called Deer Lake oh, which dear. is on the west coast of Newfoundland and not that many people maybe six thousand people and the uh, best water yeah and I uh, packed up when I was really young and moved off to Dalhousie University to do my physiotherapy. Hmm. See, really young. She was like that'd be 2022 20, probably. <laughs> I think I was eighteen. Oh yeah. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> and that, that really young so everyone listening were 19 years old and thinking oh i'm old but like you're not you're like barely alive um, <laughs> <laughs> barely born <laughs> but uh thank you so much michelle yeah, for really nice talking to you nice seeing you again thank you so much music at the beginning of this podcast is by ben sound www.bensound.com Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.